Amen. Turn over to John chapter 6, the book of John chapter 6. I have a few announcements as you're doing that. One is uh, this upcoming Wednesday, we will have a special CR midweek that will be going on. Amen. Again, this is great now and for the future. So if you have people you know, or I'm sure as we continue to study the Bible and reach out, uh, we will meet people that will need something like this. Uh, so it will be great to come. It's for teens, campus, men, women, anybody to come and be a part of this week's midweek service, 7.30 Wednesday, on the chemical recovery aspect of our ministry. The following Wednesday, the 20th, Steve Kennard will be here to preach for us. Uh, that also will be a time for any and everybody to come. Amen. And then uh, this Friday is a Latin Campus Teen Devotionals will all be taking place here at the school, uh, 7.30, so I want to remind you of that. And then uh, also we have an upcoming all-New York City Latin service. It will be uh, June 24th, and we have invitation and flyers here. If you like, you can see Juan Rodriguez. He will have some of these for you. Uh, but it's on June 24th and also November 11th. So those are the two dates. I'm going to keep mine with me as I meet people. Senor. Also, this Saturday, we're having a father-son softball event uh, that we're inviting anybody to. Family, friends can be a part of it. It's going to be in Co-op City, off Co-op City Boulevard. You can park at the National Wholesale Liquidation Place for free, free parking. Uh, but it'll be a great time. We'll have food. We'll have fun. Uh, softball game. Uh, if you have any questions, please see James French and Maury. Where's James? Stand up for a minute, James. Look at you. Look at him. He like that. And uh, we have some friends. Uh, I would say friends, but in the church, we're all family. Amen. So we have some family from the Philadelphia church that's joining us here today. Uh, right here. You guys want to stand up for a minute here? Amen. And you know how we have our, our, our harvesters, correct? Evergreen, my bad, my bad. Evergreen ministry, they have the same kind of thing. It's called the Cedars of Lebanon. And uh, they're having a conference Okay, you're looking at me like my mom looked at me like I did something wrong. <laughs> you know, she used to get mad and throw a shoe at me. <laughs> so I'm just making sure you didn't cock down. But I have a flyer here too. I'm on it, I'm on it. Just like my mama. But they're inviting anyone to be a part of the same kind of ministry that they, we have here, the Evergreen they have there. And there's going to be a conference coming up September 15th. So if you have any questions about it or you want to participate, Marie Reyes is our point person here. That Look at her, standing up. She's ready to go already. <laughs> but you can talk to her and she can give you more information. But they are came all the way down here to share this with us. So if you have questions, you can talk with them for sure. But to come from Philadelphia to the Bronx, you know it's a good event. Amen. Okay, in John chapter 6, I want to start in verse 60. Also want to remind us that next Sunday is Father's Day. And uh, I want to remind uh, two special people here today, Lily and Grace. 
Next Sunday is Father's Day. Just being clear. You know, sometimes people say, I don't want to tell when my birthday is because I don't want people to know. And then when they don't get a gift, they get mad. I don't struggle with that. I'm going to let you know now. (laughs) Father's Day and February 8th. Those are the two we need to specify. John 6, verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that, that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is the devil. He meant Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. You know, Jesus is preparing his disciples for challenging times ahead. And nearly all of them turned back when he had this big group. He had his twelve, but he had other hundreds that were with him. But as things got tough, they turned away. Now, you know, there are some cliches or saying you may have heard that deal with people uh, that may not be too smart. Let me give you a few examples. <laughs> he's one card short of a full deck. You may have heard something like that or he's one brick shy of a full load. He's crazy as a cross-eyed hunting dog. The porch light is on but no one's at home. The mall's open, but nobody's shopping. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. There's a crayon missing from his box. All the dogs aren't barking. Roof, roof. Meow. The elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. I guess I heard that one more than any of them, huh? There are hundreds of things, but you know what? That last one, the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. That's a very interesting one. You know, one time uh, when Lauren and I was in California, we were at a conference. And we were in this big hotel. Lots of people in the hotel. And so we decided, I don't know where we're going. We're going somewhere. We just want to get on the elevator and go. But there was this long line of people going to the elevator. But then there was like no line over this way. So we thought, why wait in line? Let's just creep on over this way. So we went over that way. We get on the elevator and we start going up. And the door opens up, and nobody gets on. Closes, we go up, door opens up, nobody gets on. We started thinking, something weird. It's like a whole lot of people want to get in an elevator, but nobody's on. So we go up again, door opens up, nobody gets on. It's like, hmm, this is kind of weird. Next floor, door opens up, these two guys are AK-47s. Walk in the elevator and push us back up against the wall. At first, I wanted to fight, but I saw the guns. I said to myself, self, that's not a good move. 
And as we're backed up against the wall, on walks the Dalai Lama. And we sitting there like, that's the Dalai Lama. <laughs> we had no idea he was going to be getting on his elevator. We didn't even know he was in the hotel. But that's why they shut everything off, so that when he comes on, a, on the elevator, nobody would be on there but him and, and me and Lauren. <laughs> we didn't know any better, but we got to meet the Dalai Lama. But you know, when you get on an elevator, it's kind of a weird experience. Because you get on and then strangers start getting on. And then you just kind of sit there and you don't know what to say or kind of look at the ceiling and look at, look at everything that's going on. It's just a weird feeling. It's very awkward. But uh, the thing I learned is that when you go on elevators, people push different buttons and get off on different floors. So if you're going up to the top floor, there's going to be a lot of people that stop before you get up to the top floor. Now, I thought about this in the same realm spiritually. Because I've been in a ministry 27 years. And the thing that I've learned is when I've seen other ministers do this, and when I myself try to take the church to a higher level, try to get the church closer to God, there are a lot of people that get off before we get to that point. When there's a hard teaching, all of a sudden, people start pushing buttons on different floors before we get to the top. And this is a very interesting thing to understand because people like to stay in the lobby. Because in the lobby, you got your restaurant, you got the doors all open, people down there having fun, partying. People like that part of the hotel, the bottom floor of the elevator. But in order to go up to your floor, you got to pay the price. You got to be committed to be able to go up to one of those rooms and stay there. So people like to hang out in the lobby and just absorb, kind of like we talked about last week, kingdom rats. It is like to hang out and get the benefits, but not the commitment of what it takes to go up. And so when we think about this, it, it's, it's very challenging. Look at what it says in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And see, even when you read this verse, I've read this verse, I've preached this verse for years, there's resistance even to this verse. It's obvious biblical verse that Jesus says. But people still resist it because they like staying in the lobby. They don't like the challenge to take it higher. Even though it's laid out, and it's simple truth. Our sinful nature can make us fight the simple truth of the Word of God. People start saying, well, that's just church policy. Those are church rules. We don't really have to do those things. When people start talking about church policy, there's a heart issue right there. The church doesn't have a policy. The church has a biblical standard, but it's not a policy. It's like saying, well, I don't go to church because there's so many hypocrites at church. It's like saying, well, I don't go to the gym because there's so many people out of shape. Well, that's you. You don't go to church, you a hypocrite. You don't go to gym, you out of shape. 
you can't blame everybody else for everything that's going on. One of the main reasons people get off that spiritual elevator early is due to the compromise of themselves. See, we look at this, look at, look at John 6 again. Let's go back to John chapter 6. I love you, Rosie. Lauren said, I'll be in bed at night. Particolo! <laughs> what? In John 6, verse 66, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He makes it clear. Where else is there to go? You have the words of eternal life. Well, if that's true, why do people get off on different floors? Because most people would not subject themselves to the complete will of God. They like parts of the will of God, but not the complete will of God. Because they want to stay in the lobby area, where it's fun. Well, we're not trying to build a social club in New York. We're trying to build... Something for our kids, for our kids' kids, for the next generation. Something that God says, I want my family here forever. Not just for a short time. See, if you're visiting with us today, you're like, what is this special contribution? And what is, what's going on here? This is kind of weird. Well, we want to get you out the lobby and get you committed to studying the Bible and seeing what it's all about. That's why people ask you to study the Bible. You're going to be, if you're visiting, you're going to be asked to study. If you already are studying, you're going to be asked to continue to study because we want to get you out the lobby. You need to check in. Jesus said, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. Do you want a room or you want to stay in the lobby? See, the issue is up to you. But see, we still got members that are in the lobby. You say, wait a minute, I made Jesus Lord at baptism. You may have, but you know what? Along the way, you start pushing buttons on the elevator. Now, we know it. If you're married, you know your spouse can push your button and knows all your buttons. You got kids and your parents, you know, your parents can push your button and set you off and vice versa. All that being said, Satan also knows what buttons to push on you to set you off. See, the elevator is going up higher and higher towards the Lord. But Satan's wanting you to push that relationship button, push that finance button, push that resentment button, push that I don't trust you anymore button because I've been hurt. Push all those buttons instead of taking it to the top. The penthouse of heaven, we stand now in the lobby area. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Luke 14 verse 15. It says, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. 
Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. See, here's one thing we got to see from this. You will either make disciples or excuses. It's going to be one or the other. And sometimes even the excuses we make to us, it sounds fantastic. But to the person that's hearing it, they're like, are you crazy? This is that cross-eyed hunting dog situation I'm talking about. You know, I guess that's a Midwest term. Y'all really know what that is. But a hunting dog is hunting, but if they cross-eyed, they don't know which way to go. They're like, woo, 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 woo. That's right. Don't worry about that. But it said they all began to make excuses. One guy said, this is what's interesting. In verse 18, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. You would buy a field and not know what it looks like? I bought some oxen. I got to go try them out. What if they had three legs? You would have bought a three-leg oxen? You didn't try it out beforehand? And then the good old famous one, even back from Genesis, I just got married, so my spouse won't let me come. Blaming it on somebody else. See, people party in the lobby, and that's what they want. They just want a party social club. But what they don't realize, the real party is in heaven. That's where the real banquet is. So all that being said, that's my intro to today's lesson. So, chapter two is this. I want to talk about the button Satan pushed to get you to get off the elevator. Because I want to talk specifically about that because I think sometimes we can be pushing that button and not even realize it's been pushed. You know, when you push a button on the elevator, it lights up. That lets you know. It makes you aware that you are getting off on that floor. Well, I want to light up some of these floors for you today so it can make you aware of what floor you may be trying to get off of. Luke 14, verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Floor number one that gets people off the elevator is family commitment. Family can get you off the elevator. Now, when I preach on committing your life totally to Christ, there are things that we may refuse to do. And if we refuse to do it, and I keep preaching on it, either you're going to stop coming or you're going to change. It's going to be one or the other. And this verse is not instructing us to hate our mom and dad, our brother and sister. It's not telling us to hate them. This is a comparison, comparison scripture. Compared to the love we have for God, it should look like hate to our family. Doesn't mean you hate them, but it's just making it clear that your love for God should be so much greater that it doesn't even compare to that. If any man comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You realize if you don't love God more than your family, you cannot be a disciple? Now people say, well, that's just not me. I don't do that. Okay, well, let's talk about commitment then. Little baby is sick. Why does mom, dad, both uncles, three aunts, cousin, sister, and brother all have to stay home to get that one little baby Tylenol? 
Now seriously, what kind of commitment is that? Now I'm not saying you let your little baby get sick, go to the hospital. Somebody can stay home with the baby. Exactly. We need to do that. But not everybody in the whole family got to stay home. But see, we don't even we don't even think like that. Oh, there's a sniffle. Baby, baby Jamal got a sniffle. So you know what? Let's just all stay home. And we'll worship God in our own way. You can go on YouTube and Facebook and we'll just worship God. In our... That is not the commitment of being on that elevator. See, that's pushing that button and it's lighting up. Because sometimes people can be more scared of their coaches than of Jesus Christ. Because if that coach says you need to have your child here at this time, oh, we're going to do everything we can to get that child there at that time. But if church starts at 10, oh, I may show up 10, 15, 10, 20. God is good. God's grace. But what about the coach? See, we got to say, who are you playing for? That coach or Jesus? See, we got to look at our family commitment. Sometimes we tolerate sin in our household so much. We know and see things that aren't right. Now, let me say this. As a young Christian, I used to, when I first got married, I definitely put the church before my wife. And nobody even told me to do that. I did it because I thought this was the right thing to do. If I'm at church all the time, then our kids would just grow up as Christians. And I put church as the saving factor. When in fact, I needed to live that life at home. It didn't matter how many times I went to church. But if I wasn't loving my wife the way I need to, that church is useless. If I'm not living it out at home, and this is what we've got to see. It's not just come to church. It needs to be who we are. It needs to be our lifestyle. I've heard people say, I couldn't come to church because you don't have kids' kingdom this week. You know what? (laughs) Growing up, how many of us really had kids' kingdom? Your kid's kingdom was you sit right there and keep your mouth shut. And, and Lord, help me, if we start saying something wrong, your mama and daddy look at you. And you thought you saw the devil. But it wasn't no kid's kingdom for many of us growing It was no such thing. So why do we use that as an excuse today? Well, if I bring my kid to church, he's going to run around everywhere and do somersaults off the stage. That's called you deal with your child. Think about it. If you're at home and you got to go down to Walmart, you don't say, oh, they don't have Kids Kingdom, I can't go to Walmart. You put that little sucker in that basket and you just roll it up in a Walmart. It doesn't stop you from doing everything else you need to do in life. So is Walmart more of a commitment than Jesus Christ? How many people you see pushing their kid down to the bodega? Let's go down and get some food. They're going to take their kids wherever it goes. And you're walking down the street and the kids start crying, acting a fool. You see them snatch their kid up. But yet, we got to put on a facade in church. Oh, no, you don't. You take care of your kid in church when things happen. Here's the thing. We need to stop getting off the elevator on the family floor. Now, we are family. Don't get me wrong. We are family. But I'm talking about your personal family to not be an excuse to not be committed to God. Yet, you need to show your family and your commitment and lifestyle of how it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. I appreciate, appreciate Merwin talking about that, having time with his daughter, reading the books, going through those things. That makes a huge difference. Because you know what's going to happen later on in life when some little boy in high school starts trying to mess with her? She's going to think, I need a man like my daddy, not like this guy. Because he's not connected with him early. 
And this is what we as fathers need to understand. We got to have that connection with our kids. Because if you don't, the world's going to connect with them. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Listen to me. Some of you guys have trained your kids the right way. But they've just made a decision to do something different. That's out of your control. You've already planted the seed. Now it's time for you just to be faithful and trust. Because God is true. And at some point, they're going to turn and come right back to where they need to go. You've got to believe that. So one of the floors Satan may be pushing your button on is your family commitment floor. You've got to look at that. You've got to ask yourself, if somebody is sick or hurting, yes. Maybe somebody can stay home, mom or dad or big sister or somebody. But we've got to go not just to have church, but take church back home to them as well. Now, the second floor that Satan may be pushing your button on is your personal commitment. Your personal commitment. Look in uh, Luke 14, verse 27. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Again, I preach on this, I preach on this, and I preach on this. There's going to be two responses. We're going to embrace it, or people are going to stop coming. I was taught 27 years ago, you cannot run a disciple of Christ away. If you preach the Bible... And there's a disciple sitting out there, they will never leave. As long as this Bible, you cannot run a disciple away with the word of God. So Jesus says to us here that we must deny ourselves, carry our cross. What does that mean? That means we need to crucify ourselves. Now, let me me share something with you about a person that's crucified. A crucified man is not coming back after the crucifixion. If I go and say at 3 o'clock, I'm being crucified, I'll see you for dinner at 5. That doesn't work like that. Once you crucify it, it's done. It's over with. There's no coming back to that. So that means I shouldn't have to keep struggling with the same thing for 20, 30 years. If I've died to it, not that I'm not going to have challenges, but there's a difference in challenge and struggling with something. And sometimes as Christians, we use the word struggling just like we breathe it. It's just something that we just do automatically. We need to stop struggling at some point. And get enough help to overcome these things. There's going to be challenges, but we still got to keep going after it. You know, a crucified man, number two, holds on to nothing. If you're crucified, you hold on to nothing. Because there's nothing for him to hold on to. Everything in his life, he's turned loose. Nothing in this present life occupies him. Money, home, relationship, car, nothing. Not even the hurts from the past. You got to understand if you go to a funeral home and you see somebody that's, that's passed away there, you can have all the conversations you want. It's not going to affect that person. And you know what? Too many times people get hurt and they hold on to it. I was hurt back in 1993. I can't even remember when it was, but I was hurt and I still don't trust because of that. You didn't crucify yourself. See, that's why people can be hurt but still be joyful in the Lord because they've crucified all those things. And they're able to move on with who they are. You look at Moses. People complained about this man for 40 years in the desert. He could have had all kind of attitudes and crying about it. But you know what? It was about him and God. He had crucified his old self. He was able to keep leading for 40 years. Guys, it is important for us to look at our lives. If I'm having a hard time trusting, the issue isn't everybody else. The issue is, have you crucified yourself to the Lord? That's what we got to see. The third thing about a crucified man. He makes no plans for tomorrow. He makes no plans for tomorrow. 
You know, I've seen people get up and say, Jesus is Lord, one week, and I'll never see them again. The day's just gone. The world takes them out in one week. Guys, our plan should not be, this is what I'm going to do ten years from now. This is... If that's God's will, that's God's will. But it's not about me. It's what can I do to help God in the future. A crucified man, again, has no feelings for himself. And then, uh, fifthly, crucifixion changes your lifestyle. If you have been crucified, this is what Jesus is talking about, dying to self, crucify, carry your cross. It changes your lifestyle. Joseph was sold into into slavery by his brothers, still faithful to God. David was exiled from his kingdom by his own son, still faithful to God. Paul bore the marks of being flogged, thorn in his flesh, still faithful to God. John the Apostle was left on the island of Patmos, still faithful to God. All these things occurred, but you know what? Their lifestyle changed because they have been crucified to Christ. Matthew 16, 24 says, if anyone, not just the twelve, but if anyone, but any man since the twelve disciples to choose. Anyone, not just the twelve, but anyone since those twelve chooses to follow Jesus, they must deny themselves and carry their cross daily. In that category is you and me. Because those twelve are long gone. But now he's telling us here today, we must deny ourselves. First floor, family floor. Second floor, self-focus. And then thirdly and finally, the third, one of the third floors, and there's many more floors. I'm just pointing out three today. Third floor is our possessions and goods. Our possessions and goods. We can push that button and open it up, and it's like Costco. We just like, ah, look at all the stuff that's in here. You know, we can idolize not just goods, but even people. We can focus on people. I've had people say, you said something Sunday morning that made me so mad I wasn't going to come back to church. Okay, whatever. But if I can make you that mad, my question is, are you crucified? Well, I used to have a discipler who treated me bad. My Bible talk leader, he can't even read the Bible well. I don't want to be in this group. You don't understand. I mean, it's amazing how many times we can blame other people for different things. We have to ask ourselves, what am I really focused on? Myself or on the kingdom of God? Luke 14, verse 33. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. You know what? If you're crucified, you have nothing to hold on to. But too many times our hands are full of goods. That's why special missions contribution is such a good thing. Not just because we're helping our other people, but it helps our hearts to sacrifice as well. It helps us to have, you know what? I need to get rid of something. I need to change something. I need to be different. It's a whole lifestyle change. People will say, you guys are crazy for giving money to people in a whole other country. It may be crazy to you, but it's life-changing to them. There are three questions I want you to ask yourselves today as we close out. Do I still live at the foot of the cross? In other words, we know that at the foot of the cross, everyone is equal. No bitterness, no mistrust, no hatred, no frustration. That's what's at the foot of the cross. But if you have some of those things in your life, you got to ask yourself, am I at the foot of the cross or where am I? Am I just in the lobby playing around, enjoying all the sights, or am I ready to take it upstairs? Secondly, did I get off the spiritual elevator? If so, on what floor? Some people have... have have opened the door. You may not be off the elevator, but you open the door to see what's on that floor. You know how when you push the button and you're not sure if that's your floor, so you stick your head out and kind of look around? That's what some people do spiritually. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, but let me look at the world for a little bit. Let me see what's out there. You got to ask yourself, are you sticking your head out to see what the world offers? And then thirdly, do I want to get back on the elevator? Do I want to get back on the elevator? You know what? You can always get back on that elevator. If so, the answer is it starts today. You know what? When you're stuck on the elevator, 
Uh, it only happened once when I was in the fire department that somebody got stuck on there. You know, you push that, that fire alarm button and all the bells ring and then the firefighters have a special key to get in there or they come through the top of it. You know what? When you're stuck on the elevator and you don't know where to go, you need to push that emergency button. You may be at a place right now that you're not doing well in your marriage and your parenting personally, you need to push that emergency button and get some help. And that's why there's so many people in this room who've gone through so much that you can find, I always say, you can find somebody in this room just as jacked up as you are. But you just got to push that button and get some help. We've all gone through it. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's trying to say they're perfect. My life's not perfect. Ask my wife. But you said I do and you ain't got no choice now. You do, I did, it's done. In closing, let me say this, guys. We're all on that spiritual elevator. I don't want you to push the button. I don't want Satan to push your button for you. Let us all help each other stay on that elevator. Don't get distracted. Don't look out. Don't see what's out there. Do what God wants you to do. And to God be the glory. Amen.